Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. This is a very special episode. This episode is titled Tech Attack on Black Women. And I already know some of you are very uncomfortable with that. But fuck it, get used to it, because this is going to be a really good show. And so I have, I'm bringing, um, I brought Shereen Mitchell back, um, and I'll have her introduce herself. And then we have a special guest, Asher, who connected some dots based on the last conversation that Shereen and I had, and I wanted her to bring her personal perspective. So we'll get started with Shereen. Please reintroduce yourself to the audience. Sure. I'm Shereen Mitchell. I'm known as the original digital sister because I formed the first organization to get women and girls of color into tech and online in 1999. And I have since been working on other projects, including Stop Online Violence Against Women, which is a focus about the way in which women are attacked, uh, particularly women of color, are attacked online uh, violently, both uh, based on gender and race. All right, Asher. Hi, I'm Asher. I run a very small, well, I run a blog on Tumblr called AzureMajestyWishes.tumblr.com. And it started off as a tiny little fandom blog. And if, you're, if you've ever gotten into like a TV show that you really like, um, and for people like me, you don't often get to see yourself really on the screen. So what we do is we, if you're in a fandom, you kind of create this little world of your own where you take the existing text and you build on it, you write fan fiction, you make fan art, and normally we're left alone because we're in our own little corners of the internet and no one, you know, no one really gets in there with us. But about, I say, around about 2013, that changed and it changed in a big way. And I think we're going to discuss this a little bit more as we go on. So um, I want you to actually f- continue that story. We're not, this is not the regular format of why it's, why it's important to cause a scene and because this is what this whole conversation is about. So I want you to, to, to lay out what happened to you. And then, Shireen, I want you to chime in um, because you yeah. have such validation. Yeah, 2013 is the most important. Like, 2013 is a marker. And the reason that it's a marker is because, um, and I started, because I'm still writing my pieces about this. So I'm actually trying to share with, I, I have another radio show that I'm going to be doing not sometime next week. And I've been talking to reporters about this history that, of course, that we're, we're also going to talk about here. And one of the things that was very clear to me as I started going back uh, was that 2013, 2013 was a big marker in terms of online harassment. And some of it, like uh, when I started paying a closer attention to it, some of it started actually about, um, it started because of Black Girls Rock. Like it went, when, when that became sort of this national online debate, then there was this, this movement to basically stop Black girls. And that part is the part that sort of um, tracks back to some of these other aspects of it and some of these other corners of it. But it was it was sort of about that part of it. It was like, here were black girls saying, "We rock, we do amazing things." And then this this whole backlash happened, uh, you know, especially online about stopping us, like that we should not be, you know, amazing and 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 believe in our magic and our. Or, you know, the power of who we are. Um, and it hit, like, even after that, because Black Girls Rock happens every year, this, the type of vitriol that happened after that didn't come in the same way. I felt at that point, 
Um, like there wasn't, there was not a stop, you know, stop black girls sort of movement. I felt like at that point it had started moving into other spaces where they were just basically targeting black, black girls in general. Um, and I think that that's why this conversation is really important. So when you say black girls rock, I want to give you some context. Um, are you speaking of the hashtag and the program or... The BT. Yeah. So wait. So right. So in 2013, that year, I fa- I have to go back now to see who was actually speaking that year. But in 2013, I felt that the bubbling over of Black Girls Rock that program had had taken on a a, a online engagement, a, a powerful online engagement. And I'm thinking all the pieces about that because 20 remember 2012, Obama just won. 2013, there was this sort of uh, still this sort of concept of like. We we are in charge, and we are we and we're we're proud of who we are, and this empowerment that was coming from that, and that's why I think 2013 is important because I think that that was that moment where you know you got the backlash, like we as black people in this country had taken on too much space, and they were coming to tell us to get back and get back in line, right? And the and and when Black Girls Rock came out with their program in 2013. There was a huge, like, you could see this, like, um, the Black women and, and the Black community, like, you know, rejoicing in this moment. And I think it was sort of an overlap of winning, you know, Obama winning his second term in 2012. And that was the pushback to stop, to stop us. And so, so, so. It happened towards the end of 2013. So the, a lot of those, um, I, I, it was like still one, one of those accounts is still up. A lot of the accounts got been, had been taken down. Um, but if you go and even look at that one account, you can see the vitriol and the, the, um, the disgust of which they were talking about Black women and Black girls. And some of those things are a violation of the terms of service of Twitter. And, and it's still up. So that's the example of like, it's 2018, five years has passed, and that vitriol is still sitting there. So the concern for us in the tech industry is never any close to the concerns for other people. Things like, I, I, and, I, and, and this is, I'm being very sincere about this. We have been reporting a lot of the things that we've seen as vitriol against black women. And, and, and Twitter does not even, in some instances, won't even tell us about the report that we put in. It sits there attacking a black woman and and nothing happens nothing happens but when something happens to a white woman like the, all the attacks and the doxing that happened with christine um blasey ford all of a sudden there was these quick responses to get all that content down and don't get me wrong what's happened to her is horrible but what i'm saying is that there's a clear um bias in the way that these responses happen and the length of time our content is sitting up there I want to bring that to okay, so two things because the same thing you just mentioned about um, Dr. Ford when um, McCain's daughter um, got um, attacked. Her husband spoke about how long it took. It took hours for it to come down. And I'm like, oh shit, just hours? Um, hell, yeah. what, you know? And We've th- reported something that's still up there. It's been weeks and I've shown people. I was like, look, this is still here. Yeah. And when I, because I was actually sending people, I was like, please go get these accounts and get, you know, Dr. Ford's um, information off the net. Exactly. So my, you know, my community would come in and help. But then I was like, someone was like, it's down, it's down, it's down. And I was like, it's down? My reaction was like, how is this down so fast? Exactly. That is fast. And then I shared with people, I was like, the other one that we've been reporting is still up. 
And they were like, do I need to report that, Shereen? I was like, please, yes, and thank you. But the point is, I'm trying to make is, this is a target on a woman of color, and it's still up. And then I want to bring your attention to going back to the Black Girls Rock theme, because it happened when you're talking about 2013, and you're seeing five years later. I remember earlier in the summer when um, LeBron James on, on um, link, I mean, on Instagram was talking about black women and being on all these, um, all, all the, the, these popular magazine covers and how he loved black women and the shit that he took just for saying how he loved black women. This it is, I, I do not understand. Well, I do understand because it's all about white supremacy. But the fact that it's always about collective when it's whiteness, but when it's not anti-blackness, when it's actually pro-blackness, it's always this, this outcry of how dare we, how dare we love ourselves, how dare we like ourselves even, how dare we appreciate ourselves. And I'm going to put this in there and it's going to piss people off because I've been saying it and it's white liberals. I get so sick of, I don't expect this, I do not expect for the Ku Klux Klan or the, or the Nazis. Yeah. I know what the fuck they're bringing. I could care less about them. It is these do-gooder as white fuckers who... <laughs> who's, oh, I, I'm on your side. No, the fuck you are. You don't even know what my side exists. You don't even know what that is. Oh, I'm your ally. Why are you pushing back? If you have to tell me you're your, my ally, you we already got a problem. We got, we got a problem. No, no, if you have to tell me you're my ally, you're not my ally. Exactly. We have a problem. You're my ally. It's like someone saying, I'm a grown man. You ain't a grown man if you have to say you're a grown man, right? Exactly. It's like, that is such ridiculous. Yes, yes. Like Your actions show who you are. If you have to say you're a grown man, that means you're probably acting like a child most of the time. Because time. somebody has called your ass out and said exactly. that you're a fucking grown ass man. And so, and so some of that stuff, it's like, you can see the vitriol. And yes, you're right. There's, there's plenty of Black men who have said things very positively about Black women. Even, you know, even though his crazy but sometimes goes off and do stupid stuff but even jesse williams have you know he went through that for a phase too right but he got issues homeboy got issues right because he's you know he's biracial so he got issues so he's still trying to get himself through but in any moment that he was exercising any kind of positivity about black women he got vitriol oh yes oh yes and so and so that that kind of thing is 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 very common and it's it's and, and when i say that it's very common that's why this this conversation is important the reason why I say that's very common is, is because when it does happen and it breaks terms of service, even the tech companies and others do nothing about exactly. it. Because it's so common yes. and so a given that they don't believe that they have to do anything about it to protect us. You know what? I'm going to push back on that. I'm not even going to say that it's so common. It's, it's because they have the same fucking beliefs. So that's why they don't do shit. Because in you, if you, if this is something you did not believe, you would, you would immediately jump on this. But yeah. because there's a part of you that's, you want to call it unconscious bias. You want to call it, you can put it every damn name you want on it. It is why when I approach whiteness, my default is distrust. Because all whiteness is racist. It just depends on how you demonstrate that to me. So I don't, this is why the, the, what the problem is. This is what the problem is. They can say whatever they want to. What it is, is they still see us as a, a non-human. They still see us as their fucking mammies get off our teats. And the fact that black women are saying, fuck you, we're going for ourselves now. This is the problem because oh, yeah. they've been able to count on us so much for so long. This is why you get People who push back on on someone who says, "Oh, they um 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 
that that um, Bernie Sanders ain't shit, and oh, or, or the guy in um, who's going against Ted Cruz is only, or all of these things because those issues aren't our issues. Black women are for the first time saying, you know what? That's white politics. I have other issues over here, and if you can't come with me, then don't. You can no longer count on my vote. I have so many debates about people who will come at me about me calling Bernie racist. It's like Bernie's a racist. He actually says it out his mouth. It's like, it's not, and it was like, where's the evidence? He says it. He repeats it. It's like, I don't have to go through proving anything. All you got to do is Google identity politics and Bernie, and there you see the racism. It's like, how hard is that? I don't have to. Oh, most definitely. And then the thing is, and a lot of anything, but he said, but he's also said other very racist things. And it's like, well, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? I had this one guy Go through the list of all the stuff that the Dems have done as racist. He, he'll go quote, you know, Hillary's racism, you know, um, uh, uh, super predator. He'll go through the Republicans' racism and their white supremacy stuff. And then he'll get all the way down to Bernie and he says, Bernie's not racist out of all these people. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You said Bernie caucuses with Dems. Dems are racist. How is Bernie somehow not racist if he fucking caucuses with Dems? <laughs> exactly. What the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they can, they can, it's like a, ju- the, the, the level of mental gymnastics to make yes. it work, it is, it is, it is, it borders on, and I know somebody's going to say, oh, she's talking about mental illness. It borders on psych- being psychotic to me because I don't understand. I just personally cannot, this is why I don't lie. I don't remember yeah. shit and I don't, and I can't, I can't remember putting, but to, 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 to the mental gymnastics to say, A is racist, B is racist, A and B are attached to C, but C is not racist. It's like, what fucking math are you doing? Like, we well, yeah, one and one is five, right? <laughs> what the hell is that? I mean, I'm like, just be honest. mind-boggling. Go ahead. If you don't care about if you don't care about black issues and you just care about Bernie's crusade on Wall Street because all you care about is your stocks, say that. Yes. The rest of us move on. Yes, but, yes. But, but they're still doing a whole bunch of gymnastics around Bernie. So, you know, like even now, this whole thing that's going on with Dr. Ford, he put like a two-sentence thing out, right? It's like, come on, dude. You got all this camera time and all of a sudden you in the corner not speaking? That's some BS. That just shows your own misogyny too. But right? also it, it, it speaks to, because this is what got, because uh, I know a lot of Black people who were all wearing Bernie shirts and everything. And, and then uh, when it started coming out that he knew about the emails and yeah. that um, if you've done a little um, background check on how he voted, he's voted for the NRA and all this other stuff that no one wants to talk about. But yeah, or his uh, corporate dollars, open secrets. Yes, exactly. People, he's like, well, he's against corporate. I was like, he took corporate money. Yes, he's talking this nonsense. Yes, like, where's the evidence? Look, there's a whole list of, and then they go, well, he didn't take as much as. Wait, oh, yes, exactly. That's the gymnastics. That's the gymnastics. <laughs> You're like, come on. It's like, come on. Like, don't play this game. He's taking corporate money too. May, may, you want to talk about economics? We can have an economics conversation. But when he starts saying white working class, that's racist. That's racist. So because, until yes. you wrap your head around any yep. of that stuff, yes. we can't go anywhere. And, and I'm not going to play issue. the gymnastics with you. I'm yes. going to call you bullshit. 
And like, I'm gonna walk the fuck like, off. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> we can move on to what we really need. To exactly. Move on. It's like, it, well, 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 you know, he got women of color. He support. It's called tokenism too. You yes. Know? Yep. Too. And it's oh, also called. And it's also like, called internalized like, supremacy. I was like, Trump is 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 a white supremacist, white nationalist. He had Omarosa in the White House. Yep. Uh, does that change him from being the white nationalist yep. and the racist? But like, uh, again, on. but again, it also is about uh, internalized supremacy. Black people have been taught this system and how to behave in this system so that we're not lynched and killed and all. So oh, we yeah. have to be internalized. And then this is going to piss them a whole bunch of people off. The black church is the biggest. Yeah. I don't want to even go into that. It's the, my whole tepping. Uh, and, and, oh my God. And, Just, and it's the biggest of how black. That dude I'm that got so up there uh, with, with, with um, uh, Aretha Franklin. Yes. I yes, so mess out his mouth. I yes. wanted to like rip through the freaking TV. I was yes. like, "This is it! Like I yes. am done." I was like, "They just showed themselves." And everybody said, "What are you talking about, Shri?" I was like, "This thing right here, she was against that. Yes, she was part of the church, but everything that came out of his mouth, she was completely against." Yes, he exactly. raised four boys by herself. Yes, four boys. I don't care what anybody thinks about that. And he and then he tried to defend himself. I was like, "Dude, I don't even like." You just showed you just showed America why we are divided in the church. And then, it, it, but and, and I want to get up on Aretha's um, uh, Aretha's uh, 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 deathbed and you know her, her her memorial and basically step on it like that. That and, and stuff, then stepping on a black woman's neck. Like yes, and that's what exactly. And that's why we're having this conversation because I've really been, and I'm going to be honest, and then I won't ask you to tell her story because I've been struggling. Since I and I wrote something yesterday that I, I really wish I had I could unsee what I what I know, because this to know that I have been brought up, we have been raised in the system that the only reason that we still exist is because this system has taught us how to stay below the below the. Keep our head down, keep safe, keep. And now that we're standing up, that shit frightens me because what whiteness is not used to this. They don't. All they know how to do is attack, and you can see that with Kavanaugh. All yeah. they know is how to do is attack. So I have spent my last month making sure Facebook is covered, making sure my personal my personal information and shit is not on the internet, clearing all that shit up because. I know they're going to come after us. And right. it's like black women have no support. We have supported the, the who our black men are there and, and the way that they should be. Our white women, oh my God, white women bless, bless their breeding as hearts. They breed white supremacy. That is their role. And I know people, I don't give a fuck if you get mad. This is your role. Your role is to breed the next generation of Kavanaugh's, your next generation of Trump's, your next generation of, uh, of, of, of Karl Rove's. That is your role. And this is why you fight so hard to maintain and propagate white supremacy. And so it becomes that you don't even give a shit about your quote unquote feminist things. Oh, you put that aside when it comes, when it comes against black women. All that feminist shit. That's why black women can care less about white your feminism because it's white feminism. It has absolutely never included us. It actually harms us. And so this is, oh, 2018 to me has been that place of black women have mics. 
Black women have uh, based Twitter and all social media. We are now have community and we're raising our voices and we're saying, fuck you. This is the fear of whiteness all over the place because if it weren't for us, we would not be the country that we would be so far worse than where we are right now. And so, Ash, I want you to talk about. Before oh, yeah, we go into but before no, we no, yeah, yeah. that, I just want to make sure that we're clear about this conversation because Brittany Cooper has talked about this in her eloquent rage as well, but she's also talked about this just in publicly, and that is white women wants to align with the power of white men. Black men want to align with the power of, of white men. And what happens in the midst of that as black women, we don't have anything in common with white men. And what typically happens in that space is that you see, you see the black men who are willing to, you know, use their patriarchy against us yes. and white women are willing to use their, you know, the whiteness against us. And that's the battle that we face as not having allies. No and I'm going to, I'm going to add to that because it's other <clears throat> women of color as well. And that's why I'm very specific when I say women of color is very different from black women because yeah. there are um, Asian women, um, Indian women um, uh, uh, who, who align so with um, white supremacy or the privilege that comes with that, that they are, are, are also not something that I have in common with. Um, and they, they demonstrate they, that often. part of the model minority. People. Yes, they exactly. Know, they know that there's some problems there, but they have also been willing to remove some of their own identity to be associated with that same level of power. Exactly. So they, you know, from historical framework, that has that will be a battle. It has always been a battle, and a lot of that battle is about the fact that they were seen. They were they were used to elevate to basically. Um, shame us, black exactly. people. Anything but blackness. Latinas too, just so we're clear. Yes. Yep. In, in, in New York City, I had found out after I had left, I, I grew up in New York City, I saw the data that they were using on high schools and, and how, they were, how they were framing minority and otherwise. And when I took a closer look at it, minority was literally Black and Latin. Mm-hmm. Asian was in the uh-huh. white pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, how? Wait, what? Yes. And I yes. couldn't I couldn't even wrap my head around that because I was just like that 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 doesn't make any sense. But now if you think about that f- fast forward here where we are, that's why some of that happens is because there's this that conversation that they have to also do their own work about associating with with that power structure, uh, knowing that even they aren't treated as fairly, knowing that they have racist stuff that happens to them, knowing that there's a history that they also have, and they also have an anti-Blackness history as well. And And I was going to say, yeah, it's it's anything but Black. I'll do anything, I'll be anything, I'll associate anything but Blackness. So, Asher... Um, you've been sitting here in the midst of <laughs> this, this back and forth and, um, everyone, no one can see her, but I'm seeing her face and she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us your story and, and tell us how it connected to the story or the podcast episode that Shireen and I had previously. Well, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm out here sharing because you're actually tying things together with me. Like we, we've been having conversations in fandom spaces for the past two years that I never thought we were going to have. Like, well, no, actually for the past three years, we've been talking about systemic racism. We've been talking about the assumption of whiteness online. Um, I believe I introduced you to um, my friend, Dr. Mel Stanville. I really hope you guys can get together. Yes, we're, we're trying to schedule something now. <laughs> Dr. Stanfield has, you know... I think we were talking about allies earlier. 
when you have someone who's an ally, they prove it over and over again. They don't have to tell you they're an ally. They act like an ally. It's a demonstration of behavior. And for the past, I mean, I met, I met Mel, um, I think it was last year. Mel actually was doing um, a, a, a round table about racism within fandoms. So of course, I'm, I'm a researcher. I went, I went and read as much of Dr. Sandswell's stuff as I could find. And I found someone who has been talking about impl- implicit and explicit racism in our spaces for a long time. And so we've, we've been pulling in that for, 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 because of this environment we're in right now, we've ended up having to have conversations in spaces where we never thought we were gonna have those conversations. So let me go back and give you a little bit a background on me and on the space I'm in. So, you know, I love talking about, I think the official term is screen media. Like the single most, the single biggest influence on how we've seen ourselves as a people is television and now movies. And now we've moved it on to online sources of media. And I'm, I'm interested in this. My dad was a cinematographer. My whole family, my, my entire family are artists. I'm the only non-artist in the group. And so all, <laughs> all we ever did when we were at home was talk about how what you see on television changes the way you see yourself and how stories changes, change the way you see yourself. So when you're queer and you're black, um, you're, you don't see a whole lot of yourself on television. So what you do is you go out and or, or in movies, you go out and you look for those sources. And if you if you look around enough, you'll find yourself in spaces that are called fandom. And I'm going to say this right out here. And anybody who, who's been my friend in fandom for a long time is going to have, have heard me say this before. And anybody who's going to get a little bit upset, fandom is racist. It is a racist, racist place. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. It is a racist, racist place. It is, you have these predominantly white narratives and you have this assumption of whiteness. So what you'll find with most fandom accounts is people won't actually have their own pictures up there because everyone has professional lives and they don't necessarily want their bosses to know they spend all their time writing fan fiction. So they'll use avatars which are associated with the show. And what people will normally assume is if you have an avatar of a white person up there, that you're white. They'll never think in a million years that you're black or you're Latina or whatever. Let's go back. And I want to stop you there because it's interesting because most of the, most of those characters are white. Yes, they so, are. So, <laughs> so you really, it's not like you have a choice. Oh, no, you don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and, or it, and if the characters aren't white, they're evil. Oh, or yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Because are, whiteness, mentally impaired. whiteness is attributed to goodness and anything else is badness. Oh, girl, we could, I mean, the Swan Queen fandom could write you essays on the assumption of goodness associated with purity. Yeah. And, and what, so in 2011, ABC debuted a show called Once Upon a Time. And basically, ABC is a Disney property and they were bar- borrowing, heavily borrowing characters from Disney. So they were kind of retelling fairy tales. So there was Snow White, the evil queen, um, a new character called Emma Swan, who they created. And I came in, I started watching this show in season two because I started watching it when I was on Netflix, right? 
And so I'm watching the show and there's a scene, uh, it's, it's really famous within the show. I, I think I have it on my blog somewhere. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting with my, my then wife and my best friend and we're watching the show. And we see this scene and they look at me and, and they're like, Natasha, did you just see that? I'm like, I'm already on fanfiction.net. <laughs> I was already looking at fanfiction.net because the scene was so, the scene was coded as gay. And that's something that will happen in, um, in these kind of shows. You'll have queer baiting. You'll have scenes and characters that are coded as gay, but will, they'll never explicitly say it. So this is, this is like 2012. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there because I'm going to ask you, because Serena and I spoke about this. So it's the, is it like, and this, mm, tell me if it's a no, go ahead. Tell me the, the thing that's going on with Ernie and Bert on, on um, Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Because the, author, the person who's been writing for him, them forever, says it is. But mm-hmm. Sesame Street says it is. And so this is, this is an example of what you're talking about. Yes. Okay. I like to call that plausible deniability. Okay. So there is um, Jaina Spenson, um, who, who I'm not a fan of anymore, but um, Jaina Spenson wrote a really good essay or she was talking about it at a con or something like that. And basically what she says is that on television, as a writer, you are often not allowed to have queer narratives. Um, you know, they don't want to alienate everybody else. But what the writers will do is because they know that there is a dedicated queer audience is they'll put little breadcrumbs here and there they'll have people stand a little bit too close to each other or they'll have two characters who are just way too obsessed with one another. And what you can do is you can, what they can say to the straight people, they're like, oh no, no, they have boyfriends or they have girlfriends. There's nothing gay here. Meanwhile, all the gay people are like, oh, that's gay. <laughs> they're like, that's really gay. Okay, okay. And for a long time, I think that was enough because we're the kind of female, it's called fam slash. And a female part of fandom, we're, we're, we're a creative fandom. All we need is the source material. Just give us characters to write about or characters to draw. And we'll go off in our, in our own little words and our own little corner and create our own stories. Um, okay, I'm going to stop you there because this is I'm okay. not familiar with fandom. So, no, so, based on this, so based on this show, there were characters that you and your community would go off and write queer stories yes. about. Oh, yes. that sounds funny. That sounds exciting. <laughs> So there were these. Oh, this is characters. something totally new to me. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, girl. It's fan fiction for everything, but just don't search for all of it. Oh, of no, no. I heard it's a shit show out there. Some of that stuff is freaky. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, yeah. So you had these two characters. One was Latina, which was a big difference. Usually, when you see things like this, you have a white pairing. It's two, it's what I call two, two skinny blonde white, white ladies. And to which I say to people, uh, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to bring Emily Andrews today because I'm not going to raise my blood pressure. But <laughs> you'll often have two skinny, conventionally attractive white women. And that that is the 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 example of, of queerness. And so if you want to see yourself, that's, that's the only way you're allowed to see yourself. But once upon a time, it was a little bit different. You had one character who was Latina, one character who was white. And while they were both coded, as well, they were both, we were told explicitly that they were straight. From the behaviors on the show, you could read them as gay. And this was wildly popular. So I, by the time I started watching the show in 2012, the fandom had already existed for a year and it was huge. And the, the, you know, the fandom was called Swan Queen uh, simply because one character was Emma Swan, the other character was the evil queen. Evil queen. You put the t- two names together, you get something called Swan Queen. And then people started calling themselves Swen 
right? And so you um, you have this narrative. People are off in their corner writing their stories, creating beautiful writing. That people have written novel length fan fiction. People wow. have gotten their novel length fan fiction published. Because what you do is then you you write this story. It has a huge following online. Then you go back through the story and you take out anything that ABC owns. Yes, 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 yes. And you get it published. And that's actually basically the story of um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. It's Twilight fan fiction. Oh, okay. I got you. Got you. So she, this woman wrote a story about Twilight. It realized it was incredibly popular. It took out everything that was owned by someone else, published it, and now she's filthy rich. Yeah, yeah. So the Swamp Queen community had that. So I, I walk in, and when I came in, I came in right after, um, right after like a, a big blow up in the fandom. But there are always kind of little things that happen. What was what I immediately found interesting and different about the Swan Queen fandom is that that were, there were prominent people in the fandom who weren't white, and that it was actually open to people who weren't white. Because what you'll often find in these fandoms is that they're extremely white spaces, and they're spaces that are hostile to people who aren't white. And I think it was because there was a season one of Once Upon a Time was fairly pale, but it wasn't as pale as it could be. And most importantly, the breakout character, um, Regina Mills, was a Latina. So I found that the fandom started attracting, well, it attracted a certain group of people. It was people, who, women who were over 30, who were professionals, who were more interested in talking about family and and the things that families go through because the, the two women who we, who we talked about basically acted like a divorced couple that were fighting over their son. <laughs> so you were interested in things that family go through and, uh, excuse me, and it was very welcoming and opening to black people or, or as welcoming and opening as a space, which is predominantly white could be, if that makes sense. Very much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I go in there, I, I kind of hid under a, um, uh, a generic fandom for uh, uh, Avatar for quite some time. And finally, I was like, you know what? There was some issue that was happening, and it was it was explicitly a racist issue. And I started talking about it on Tumblr because that's where I was originally. And you know, when when a racist issue comes up and people start talking about this thing is racist, you'll get a pushback. They're like, well, who are you to say it's racist? I'm like, well, I'm black. That's who I am to say it's racist. Um, and so from then on, I was, I would, as you were saying, fan, I was openly Black. And there were already people who were openly Latina. And so we started having these conversations about, about the racial narratives. And this was even back in the beginning. Um, because there was the evil queen, who was a Latina character. There was a genie, who was supposedly evil. He was a Black Latino. So the only two clearly non-white characters were the ones who were evil. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were talking about that from the beginning because the, this imagery matters, right? Yes. Especially when you have a show that was primetime ABC on a Sunday night. That's a family show. That used to be that um, Disney, you remember that Tinkerbell used to come back in the day. Yes, that's their prime family time. That is their prime family time. So the messages matter. Mm-hmm. And so kind of bringing into the story that I wrote about and kind of that thread I wrote about on Twitter you had this large group of people online who looked at the relationship between these two women and saw something romantic in it. And you also had, I mean, this show was wildly popular for the first three years. And what the fandom did was, the fandom was also the biggest fandom I'd seen in a very, very long time. 
they had we had our whole our own online community we had our own narrative we kind of even had our own language and we were quite happily existing by ourselves in our little corner not bothering anyone now there were like like with any fandom there were blow-ups occasionally people would push back on the writers and say well this is your this is implied why can't it be explicit what what's wrong with showing two women being in a relationship and you know there was pushback you had there were a few homophobic cast members the actresses were i mean there are people who would who would fight me on this i'm going to say i'm going to be, i'm going to be i'm going to be polite and say the actresses were shy there are people who will tell you that they were flat out homophobic there are people who will tell you that um they were quietly supportive i'm just going to say that they were shy and they did not sign up to have, you know, basically hundreds of thousands of lesbians being like, why can't you be together on screen? <laughs> so again, I'm going to interrupt you again, coming from someone who is totally clueless. Um, mm-hmm. So you had dialogue with people on the cat and the actual cast. Yeah. Twitter, Tw- Twitter. We, we, anyone who had a Twitter account, people would tweet. You tweet oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. People would go to, so you, conventions happen every year. Yeah. Conventions are big money. People would pay to come, pay to go to conventions and they would, so you know how they have these massive question and answer sessions? Yes. Individual shows. People would get up and ask questions. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was, that was always a fraught moment because there would always be a Swan Queen question. And whenever there was a Swan Queen question, you could feel this, you could see the tension on on stage where people are like oh, sh- oh shit mm, not that mm, again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah damn <laughs> and, here here's some more black folks god damn it <laughs> <laughs> well not just black we're here no no i'm just saying but when we come in the room we ask a question they'll be like oh, exactly. shit. oh shit damn oh, it's those gay people <laughs> we about to get racist yes we are <laughs> everything's about race go ahead <laughs> and there was always a question question and there would always be be this um be this tension and to which everyone who was in Swanking would say, it is 2012, it's 2013, it's 2015. There's nothing wrong with people being gay. There's nothing wrong with showing a, a happy, loving couple of two women on screen who already share a son just being, just doing the things that families do. There's nothing wrong with that. And we would get a great deal of pushback. But let me let me bring you back. So this is 2012. Uh, the fandom, Swan Queen fandom is huge. Um, I did a map at one point. There were Swan Queen, there were people. I So basically I did a, a roll call on Tumblr. And it was, it was a Tumblr post that went around. And it, it was basically tag yourself if you're, if you're in Swan Queen, tag yourself and say where you are. Because people really do, people really do, don't want their professional lives associated with their fandom lives. It was like, don't give me your name. Just say where you are. And then somebody else, because I said, Everyone in Swan Queen were professionals who were, you know, over the age of 30. Someone took all the information I got, put it into a Google Sheets and created a map. And I still have that map. And basically there were people who were in Swan Queen on every continent except the ones at the polls. And what I found significant, you had people in Russia and people in China who were engaging with this stuff, who were showing up on people's blogs. People who could really, really get in trouble for being associated yeah. with queer content. So this was a big, powerful group of people who who were on Twitter every single day, tweeting about Once Upon a Time, tweeting about ABC, and tweeting about Swan Queen. And they were they were pushing up the engagement numbers, and they were pushing up the impressions. And I think there was I think there was kind of a feedback loop going on with us and the network for a while. 
because we would tweet about the show, the show would just get gayer. So the, the more interest that we, we, so there was kind of, it was a symbiotic relationship. We were giving them engagement numbers and they were giving us the things we wanted to see. And, you know, people like me, and I have a few um, blog posts about it. It makes sense. It's capitalism. That's what, you know, you do. That's, (laughs) yeah. You have have a group of people who are, who are clearly, when you look, because I'm I'm also, I'm also a researcher. Mm -hmm. When you you look at these groups of people, you have people who are older, Mm -hmm. buying power, Mm -hmm. have the money to, Mm -hmm. Who have the money to buy merchandise? Exactly. Who have the money to pay for multiple cons in a year? When you have a group of people like that, you cater to them. Exactly. And kind of have to walk the line between not being explicitly gay because you have homophobes mm-hmm. and just being just gay enough to keep that audience. Yes, exactly. And for a while, I believe that ABC was walking the line. I believe they were. I believe they were managing it well. Um, feel free to jump in at any point because I know fandom is a whole wide world and I know you guys aren't, aren't part of it. So if there's anything that you, you don't, you aren't getting, jump in and I'll, and I'll try to answer as many questions as possible. Um, so they were, they were doing this line for a while and they were the, both of the women in the show who we liked, they did have male characters that were associated with them, associated with them in a romantic fashion, but it was so minimal. You could ignore them. And just pretend they didn't exist. Okay. And every yeah. fan fiction you read found a way to write those guys out of the story. Round about in the middle of season two, this new character showed up. And I would be a liar if I did not tell you that man was handsome. Colin O'Donoghue is a handsome man, especially when he puts on, he was playing a pirate, he was playing Captain Hook. Especially when he puts on his, um, they had, they had tons of eyeliner on him. He was handsome and he was dashing. And in season two, he was clearly quoted as a flame. That was how they were setting him up. And I, there was actually a moment, and I can't remember exactly which episode this happened in, but there are people who could tell you on the spot which episode this happened in. He, um, he got into a fight with the MS1 character. And you know, he, it, was very, um, it was very clear that they were trying to say something that they couldn't do on screen. You know, she was down on the ground and he was over her because they were doing a sword fight. And the line he said was, when I prick you with my sword, you'll feel it. So all of the women, all the swamp women were like, um, that's a rape reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, that's right. So you were like, y'all are getting rid of this character, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he just threatened to rape the lead. <laughs> y'all are getting rid of him, right? Um, so he was clearly set up as a bad guy, but he was a good looking mm-hmm. bad guy. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because I want to I want to know why his good looking because you keep bringing this up. Why is that important? Because there is a there are a subset of fandom if if you ever look up the star wars fandom and kylo ren they'll talk about it quite a bit there are women who like who will who will stand or who will support good looking characters no no matter how bad they are gotcha it gotcha. doesn't um, there's a term they use in fandom real called woobify where they'll take the source material which says that this character is a terrible person and by the time the fangirls are done dealing with this terrible person, he's the greatest guy. He's just misunderstood. He's such a nice person. Oh, so white supremacy. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for example, I'll take, like, so there's this huge dust up in the Star Wars fandom over Kylo Ren. If you watch the most recent Star Wars, that guy is clearly evil. Mm-hmm. By the time the fangirls get done with him, he's the sweetest guy on the face of the earth. And he's just been misunderstood. Oh, and he's always misunderstood. Would love yeah. him. I got you. I got you. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Yeah. So yeah, but that's a cultural thing, right? Because because that's that happens all the time. It's it's part of the and this is the this can go back to the Kavanaugh thing, right? He that's you know, what I'm saying. Still, exactly. He still has mm-hmm. good character because of his status, even though he's done these horrible things. He's not a horrible person. Yes. And it's it's very much. Uh, and I've had to deal with this in multiple issues when harmful things happen to black and brown people, especially black and brown women. Um, the answer to from other white women in particular is like, well, <clears throat> they hate themselves. They're trying to kill me. They hate mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. That doesn't track, right? Mm-hmm. So you just love him and forgive him. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Make, and, and 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 you need to love him so that he loves himself, mm-hmm. so he would not want to harm you. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're actually telling me to love someone who wants to harm me. Think I should be dead? Don't think I'm a human. But somehow I'm supposed to show up to your family and still hug them. No, I'm not. You can hug them all you want to, but mm-hmm. if I see them, ain't no hugs coming from this way. I will and, defend myself, and and, they, and that's the hard part for them because they don't understand that concepts. So now I'm just angry, or I'm difficult, I'm uncivil. Like I'm the one uncivil. No, I'm defending myself from the person that you're asking me to be nice to, who is uncivil, who is exactly. showing but anger, it, but it, who it, is it, being evil. But I'm supposed to be nice about that, and it, and speaks, it speaks to the, to the fact, fact that. that black women are not allowed to have emotions and are but more importantly to defend themselves we have to be in defense of everyone else we have to be in support of everyone else but when it comes to our own wants and needs and safety we are not even allowed to put it on the back burner we're not allowed to have them at all and from someone who likes, who who's interested in how television affects how we see ourselves, you see that story told over and over again in all the television shows you watch. Yeah. Here's this guy. He is clearly a terrible person. He does bad things, but the love of a good woman will make him wonderful again. It always shows up over and over again in our relationships because we've been taught that first they're not enough out there. So we, the ones we get, we gotta, we have to, we have to sacrifice whatever we want to make them better because um, they, so it's, it's that whole potential shit. And I'm at a point if you could have great potential, but so do I. And if they're not matching, I'm not, not, it's not my responsibility to turn your potential into something. And, and that is something I talked, I tweeted about before as well is, I recognize again in all of that I'm learning that every relationship I've had has been gaslighting. Every single one. I've been gaslit through every single relationship that it's somebody who, oh, I love you, but, oh, you you are this, but you're not doing this to support me. Or it's always about, I'm not, we're not doing enough. And when we ask, then, oh, I didn't know you needed support. Oh, you seem so strong. I didn't even... it didn't even cross my mind that you needed oh, yeah. help. And this, and we'll get back to your story, but this speaks to what we're talking about and how now we're saying, and we see it in tech. We see it in um, um, Dr. Ford is vulnerable, but Serena is angry. And and and, and no, they, they, they did a comparison between Dr. Ford and you could do an easy comparison. Anita Hill? Dr. Ford and Anita Hill. Yes, they exactly. basically said she was vulnerable, so she she resonated. Yes. But she's 
those strengths. And then, and then, then they juxtaposition that against Anita saying she was so eloquent and so strong. It's, you know, so, so all of a sudden she like, her vulnerability did not yes, show. Did not show through. The strength of her black womanness was actually there and present. And that in itself is part of it too. It's that it is the narrative that white women are weak and need to be protected. And mm-hmm. we do not. I mean, by everybody. By everybody. Right. We can take care of ourselves so no one needs to show up and... and, and, and well, not only take care of ourselves, but we are we take care of everybody else. Yeah, but it's but it's still, it's even in a moment of vulnerability, like what Anita Hill was in, it's still that she didn't need support. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. They did, like, she was standing up for herself and no one needed to back her up. And that's why those 1600, like, that's why that, the, the, the signature, some 1600 Black women mattered. Yes. We... Yes. Or our support systems. We back like no one no one else did that. So when I saw the the the, the, the repeat of that letter from all these men for white men. White men. Oh, yeah. It's like this is what we're talking yes. about. Yep. It's yep. like who who shows up? Yeah. That's our problem about that. And I and I want to make sure that I want to pin this heteronormative framework that we're we're having because, because because it because it is it is that. It's it, it is it is literally within this conversation that we're trying to have about this pirate that shows up. Yes. That heteronormative still had to have sexual innuendos that actually insinuated that even if she may have been gay, she could be raped by a straight guy and maybe fix her. Right. Like that is, that, that is part of what I think Asha is trying to say here. Yes. And, and, and parts of how the narratives start to shift, but also the narratives about the evil guy who somehow has some pureness in him that somehow we can still see this innocence of him despite how... Girl, you are and how then, of my and then, it's, and then it's our responsibility to find and nurture and, and that innocence that's in him. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, we yeah. it's seek it out and yes. pull it out of him. Yes. He has to do no work to get yes. there. Yes, yes. You we just have told to, the story. I didn't even have yes. to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> you just told the whole story of the last seven minutes. That was that was a story. You know what? I didn't even know the word heteronormative until we started dealing with this Captain Hook on on Once Upon a Time and talk, asking why. So can we let's stop there and look, let's define that word for the for people who are listening. Hello, everyone. As you can see, this has been an information-packed episode. So much so that we have to cut it off here and make this part one. But make sure you don't miss episode two next week as I continue my conversation with Shireen and Asher and we talk about tech's attack on Black women. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.